Take your Bibles tonight and turn with me to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. If you would please stand for the reading of God's Word. We're continuing our series that we've been preaching uh, concerning that we've titled Power in That Name, dealing with the names of Jesus Christ and how they affect our lives and actually direct our lives in many different ways. So many times there are so many lessons we can learn just by the name of Jesus Christ, how it represents Jesus Christ. It's, uh, sometimes it's a, a title, sometimes it's, it's connected with His name in such a way that it, in, it uh, emphasizes what He does in our lives and what He is trying to do in our lives. And so we're looking at another one tonight, a very familiar portion of Scripture here in John chapter 15. We'll begin reading verse 1. I am the true vine. And my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so hath I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. And of course, no doubt you figured it out there in verse 1. says, I am the true vine. I'd like to preach to you tonight, the true vine, and let's pray. Father, we come to you this evening and looking again at one of the names and titles of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be engaged and help us to see how this affects us and what you're trying to show us here. And Lord, I pray that you would just strengthen us through thy word. Lord, thy word is truth. Now, Lord, I pray that you would forgive me of my sins, cleanse me, help me to be a vessel that's meet for the Master's use this evening. Lord, that this tongue, this mind, Lord, might be engaged with you, and Lord, that you might speak through me. And Lord, I pray that you'd hide me behind the cross. Lord, may Jesus Christ be magnified and lifted up. May he increase and may I decrease. We thank you, Lord, for your love, and we thank you for your mercy. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You be seated. Here again, we have a name or a title that is similar to some of the others that uh, throughout the scripture. The, the, the importance of that relate, dealing with the importance of the relationship that we have between the Christian and Jesus Christ. Uh, it's so important that we understand that and, and that we walk away tonight realizing that this title, this name, the true vine, is dealing with our relationship, dealing with the relationship that the Christian has. With Jesus Christ. Much in the Christian life uh, hinges upon our relationship, our fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ, such as your joy. If you are not, uh, if, if your relationship is not good with the Lord, if your fellowship is not good, then you're probably going to be a little shy on the joy of the Lord. You see Christians all the time who 
They claim to be saved, and yet they don't have any joy. It seems like their, their life is, is, uh, is uh, down in the mully grubs, you might say. They're not enjoying being saved. It's because of their relationship. It'd be the same thing in your marriage if you're married here tonight, that if your relationship is not good with your spouse, uh, you're probably going to have a lot of uh, aggravations going on in your life. And so that's the same way here. Also, peace. Uh, without a good relationship with the Lord, without a good fellowship, many people don't have the peace of God that passeth all understanding. In fact, what you'll find is a lot of people, when they get away from the Lord and the relationship is not good and they're living in this world and doing what this world, many people begin to doubt their salvation. They don't have that peace. They don't have that joy. They don't understand that, that, uh, what, uh, what comes from that relationship. Answered prayer, uh, blessings, power to live for the Lord, the presence and the direction of God understanding and wisdom that God gives us through His Word. Without that relationship, without that closeness, without abiding in that vine, the true vine, without abiding in Christ, we miss so much in our Christian life. Uh, our churches are full of Christians who, who come out on Sunday morning and they sit in the pew and they, they get up from the pew after the preacher has preached and they walk out the, out the same way they came in. And there seems to be no excitement, no stirring, no moving in their hearts and lives. And, and the reason is, is because throughout the week, there's no relationship, there's no fellowship between them. They're not engaged in the true vine. And so we're needing to have that engagement in there. We're here, we're in John chapter 15, the Lord refers to that which comes out of, out of abiding, the abiding life in Christ, and that's fruit. So let's consider this name and title, the true vine. First of all, Jesus is more than just a vine. He's more than just a vine. Okay, He is the true vine. Look there again in verse 1. It says, I am the true vine. The true vine. That, that word true here is, I can't even say it, eletheos, which means genuine. Okay, It means genuine. It's not just any vine, but it is the genuine vine, not just a counterfeit. It is the genuine vine. There's a lot of counterfeits today. I, can I tell you that there's a lot of Christians who are linking up, though they're saved, they are linking up with a lot of counterfeits today. You see a lot of, uh, of churches that are pushing a lot of just uh, easy believism, a lot of uh, feel-good services and not preaching the Word. They're just trying to hype the people up. And, and really the, the relationship uh, of those Christians become very, very shallow. It's almost like a counterfeit. And all they do is they live on, on the hype of the, of the services and they try to hype them up. But throughout the week, they fail to have a relationship that causes them to produce fruit like they ought to. It's so important that we understand the abiding in Christ is not just abiding in a vine, but abiding in the true vine, the genuine vine. Jesus was making a, a clear, make it clear here that it's not your identification with religion or with an organization or with a ceremony, but it's something more than that. It's something that is essential. He, he's, what he's saying here, he, we are to be identified with Christ. There's a lot of people you go talk to. Oh, yeah, I, do, you, do you know Jesus Christ? Oh, yeah, I go to such and such church. Can I tell you something? That's not, that's, that's not a very good answer. Some of them say, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, you know Jesus Christ? Yeah, I've been baptized. 
Not a good answer. Because that's a counterfeit vine. If you're, depend, if you're depending on, on baptism, that's a counterfeit vine and you're not going to get anywhere. If you're depending upon church membership, that's a counterfeit vine. You're not going to get anywhere. Uh, I, I've talked to people who literally say, well, I'm good to everybody. I, I, I try to live my life by the, by the golden rule, do unto others as you'd have them to do unto you. I've literally had them tell me that. And yeah, I think that one day when I stand before God, I think that my good deeds are going to outweigh my bad deeds. It's a counterfeit vine. And the fact is, is that you've got to be in the true vine, the genuine vine, Jesus Christ. You must be connected to Him. You must be part of Him. The Heavenly Father then is also the husbandman, he, and He's the keeper of the vine. The father is the one who cared for the vine and raised him from the dead and, and who took care of him. And he's the one which will take care of the branches. And you and I as Christians are to be the branches that are uh, uh, connected to the true vine, the, the genuine vine. I want us to look here for a moment at the branches also. You see, the branches must abide in the true vine if we're going to bear fruit. Look here with me in verse 4. He says, Abide in me, that's Jesus, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth fruit, or bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. Over the years, when I was, years ago when I worked on the ambulance, one of the trainings, very important training that we had, was tourniquet training, putting tourniquets on people who were injured, who were bleeding out, who, were, who had very severe injuries, that, and they might bleed to death. And so we were trained on, on uh, putting tourniquets on, on. and of course, the, 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 the downside, and of course, they've got alternate training now of how to, to preserve some of that, but they even trained us some now, or back then, of when you have a say a, a, a person that is bleeding, let's say, from their arm uh, down here, and you put the tourniquet above so that you can shut the blood off to keep them from bleeding to death. Well, we was also trained that you have to open that tourniquet back up at times. You didn't just shut it off unless it was a completely severed uh, member of their body. Then you shut it off. But before that, what they did, we would open it at times, let the blood go through, shut it back off. And the reason for that was this. If you completely kept it shut off, that member of the body is going to die because it has to have blood going through it. The same, it's, it's, that's the way the Lord is talking about that we need to abide in the vine because without the vine, he says, we can do what? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. If, if you was to put a tourniquet even on a good arm, shut the blood off, after a period of time, it would not matter after you took the tourniquet off, that part of the body would be dead. And you could do nothing with it. Okay, That's how, how important it is uh, for, for doctors and medics and different ones to know how to apply a tourniquet properly and to begin to let that blood seep back in and, and different things. And there's different procedures that they're using even now. But the Lord said, listen, he said, you've got to understand, he said, I am the vine, the true vine. 
He said, without me, you can do nothing. And I think a lot of Christians today are trying to do, live their life, trying to do a lot in the so-called spiritual realm. A lot of churches are even trying to have services. Preachers are trying to preach and teachers are trying to treat, teach without really abiding in the vine. And so what we have is a lot of teaching going on, a lot of preaching going on, a lot of Christians trying to do their own thing, and we're not abiding in Christ, and so we're not seeing the fruit that we could see in our lives, in our churches, in our ministries. And so we've got to begin to look at this, how important it is that we abide in that vine and so that the Lord can, can bless and so we can see the fruit. It's, necessary. it's that necessary relationship, it's that necessary fellowship, it's that necessary fellowship with Jesus Christ that's so often spoken of throughout the, throughout the Scripture. It talks about the church, uh, the, it talks about the body of Christ, Jesus Christ being the head. If you sever the head from a body, it can't live. And so we're, here we are, we're looking at the fact that you have a vine and the branches must abide in the vine. Our union with Christ is a living union so that we may bear fruit. It's a loving union so that we may enjoy the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a lasting union so that uh, we need not be afraid of, what, of that which is to come. A lot of Christians today are fearful. Do you know why? Because their relationship is not good with Jesus Christ. They look around what's taking place. Hey, listen, if you've got the right type of relationship, fellowship, and, and fellowship of Jesus Christ, it takes away the fear of what's going to take place and what is taking place. And a lot of times the reason that we face the things that we face is because we're not abiding. We as the branches need to realize our weakness and confess that our need for the, the true vine. That, hey, listen, I can't do it by myself. You're sitting here tonight and say, man, you know, uh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. You can't do it by yourself. I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I can't preach by myself. You said you can't preach with anybody else either, but that's okay. I can't preach without the hand of God. You know what? I, you say, have you ever tried it? Yes, I have. I've got up and preached before and knew God wasn't in it. I've got up and preached before and, and didn't feel the presence of God. Just put together a sermon. It wasn't a message. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't like preaching sermons. I want to preach a message. A message comes from the vine. A sermon comes from here. And so what we need today, we need preachers to be in the vine so that they can deliver a message from God. It will produce fruit. What we need today is we need Christians who will be in the vine and so that they can produce fruit. What we need today is churches that are connected to the vine so that the church is producing fruit for the honor and glory of God. And so we must abide in the vine. If we're going to see uh, the hand of God work, if we're going to see God do some great and mighty things. But I want you to notice here, the, the, consider the key word here in this whole, whole situation is abide. You go down through there and in the first eight verses, you'll find the word abide uh, Seven times. You go through there, it's, it's seven times from verse 1 down through verse 8. You'll see the word abide. I'd say God thought it was pretty important. If you go all the way down to verse 11, uh, beside, by using two other words that's in there that means the same thing, it's in there 11 times. 11 times. So I'd say the Lord said, hey, listen, I want you to abide in me. You're sitting here tonight and you say, well, you know, I think I'm abiding in Christ. Are you really? 
Are you really, have you had that fellowship? Do you have that walk with God? Are you, are you uh, uh, allowing Him to direct your life? Are you connected with Him that well? And so we need to be abiding in Christ. To abide means to keep in fellowship with Christ so that His life can work in and through us to produce fruit. Let me say it again. You must abide in Christ so that He can work in and through you to produce fruit. You take a grapevine. The branches of themselves cannot produce the fruit. It is because the vine supplies everything that is needed in that branch to put on the fruit. It keeps the fruit nourished. It keeps the fruit growing. It causes the fruit to mature. But if you take and you sever that branch, even after the fruit has come on, the fruit will die. It must abide. It must stay in the vine. Your life and my life, we can be fruitful for a while, but if we begin to, our fellowship begins to break down, our fellowship begins to break down, our obedience to the Lord begins to break down, the fruit begins to dwindle in our lives. We begin to see it dry up. We begin to see it fall off because we're not abiding continually in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're needing to abide in Him continually. Not only that, but this involves the Word of God. In order to abide in Christ, the Word of God is involved and, and, and deals with our hearts. You cannot, listen, you cannot abide in Christ if you don't get in this book. You say, well, preacher, I don't understand it. You will if you get in it. We need to daily get in the Word of God. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Psalms 119.11. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Otherwise, we're to get into this and we're to study. You say, preacher, I just, hey, listen, you'll understand a lot more of it than you realize if you'll get in it. And the more you get in it, the more you'll, you'll understand. The longer you stay in it, the more you'll understand. And the Holy Spirit of God, because you're in the vine, will begin to reveal the truth of God's Word. All of a sudden, the preacher gets up and preaches, and you're following along and say, yeah, I understand that. I see what that, what that verse is talking about. Sunday school teacher gets up, teaches on something maybe that you read last week or a month ago, and it's still in your mind, and all of a sudden, understanding begins to come around. It doesn't have to be immediately, but understanding will come. But my friend, you cannot abide in Christ if you're not going to get in the Word. It's like, it's like taking and, and, and going home and, and, and saying, well, you know what, I want to be, be good and strong, but you sit down at the table, but you never eat. You must take in the Word. You say, well, preacher, I get that, you know, that's why we got you here. You're supposed to get up here. You're supposed to be teaching us the Word of God. That's exactly right. Well, we got Brother Brian. We got Brother Jim. We got the other Sunday school classes. They're supposed to be teaching us the Word of God. That's exactly right. But you know what? You as yourself need to be getting in the Word of God. Because God wants you to produce much fruit. Not just a little bit. Not just a, a, a grape here and there. But He wants to put on a full cluster in your life so that it deals uh, and, and, and it brings honor and glory to His name. Not only that, but confession of sin. If you're going to abide in Christ, you need to confess sin 
so that nothing hinders your communion with the Lord. You need to make sure that there's not sin that, that can, you say, well, preacher, to allow sin unconfessed to remain in your life will hinder your relationship. And when your relationship is hindered, then the fruit is hindered. And so we want to make sure that we, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I, I don't know about your life, but daily I come to the Lord. Sometimes several times a day. Why? I would rather confess it then when I sin, if there's a wrong thought, a wrong attitude, do something wrong or whatever it might be, and get it right, right then. Instead of waiting and, for, and maybe forgetting about it or pushing it away or, or saying, well, it's not that big a deal. No, my friend, that is what hinders your fruit. It also involves obeying the Lord because we love Him. Obeying Him because you love Him. Look there in verse 9 and 10. It says, as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. What do he say? Continue ye in my love. Continue ye in my love. He said, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Notice how he talks about abiding. Again, part of abiding is obedience. Obeying the word of God. Obeying the command of God. And so we are to, to follow the Lord and we're to love Him to, in order that we might see the hand of God work in our lives. We have to abide in the vine. When we abide in the vine, the results of abiding in the true vine is fruit. There's going to be fruit in your life. I don't know about you, but I want to be a fruitful Christian. I don't want to go through life without producing fruit. I want to be a fruitful Christian. I want... I'm just going to be honest with you. I want the whole thing. Whatever God can, can give me and do in my life, that's what I want. That's what I want. But you know what? I've got a portion in staying and abiding in Christ so that he can do those things. So the results of abiding in the true vine is going to be fruit. You'll experience the pruning of the father, which is the husband, which will cause you to produce more fruit. Say, preacher, I didn't want to get into this part of it. This is a part that we a lot of times don't want to think about. As a branch, you're going to have to be pruned. As a branch, you're going to have to be trimmed. Verse 2 says, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. So you heard me say, well, go, I want to... I want, all that I can get. I want to produce as much fruit as I possibly can. Um, usually, and, and you can talk to Brother Jimmy, and, and usually when a plant is young or when it starts putting on fruit uh, and everything, it's going to put on a little bit of fruit. Later on, if it's purged, if it's pruned, if it's taken care of, it'll put on more fruit. It'll put on better fruit. It'll put on more quantity and quality fruit because it has been taken care of. That's what God wants to do with your life and my life is that he wants us to produce not just fruit, but abundant fruit and quality fruit. Something that brings honor and glory to his name. Not just some fruit, but an abundance of fruit. He wants that in your life and mine. The person abiding in the true vine, Jesus Christ, will have his prayers answered. Look in verse 7, it says, If ye abide in me, my words abide in you. 
Ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. You can underline that. It's a promise. Oh, preacher, will that really happen? Yes, it is a promise. It is a promise. And underline it. You say, well, how can... Well, now wait a minute. With every promise that you'll find in the Word of God, you'll find some requirements. And that requirement is, if ye abide in me, and my words abide in you. Again, getting in the Word of God. Again, abiding in Christ. That fellowship, that walk with Him. When this begins to take place in your life, you'll experience a deepening love in and for the Lord. Let me ask you a question tonight. You came by, I'm going to grab it. Do you love the Lord? Now, don't answer me, but do you love the Lord? Are you more in love with the Lord? Do you love the things of God more than you did a year ago? Well, preacher, I love the Lord. I'm not saying you don't love the Lord. Do you love Him more? How about the Word of God? I'm not saying you don't love the Word of God. I'm just saying, do you love it more than you did a year ago? How about the things of God? The people of God? I'm not saying you don't love those things, but do you love them more? You see, there should be a growing there should be an increase in our love for the Lord and the things of God as we abide in Christ. That should increase. Preacher, well, if it's not increasing, it's up to you to do something about it. Well, preacher, I thought you, no, not me. It's up to you to do something about it. You see, sometimes you want the preacher to do what only you can do in your life. You have to get honest with yourself and say, you know what, I've been floating. I haven't fell out of love with God. I haven't fell out of love with the Word of God. But maybe my love hasn't grown. Look at a vine. You can go out to these bushes and stuff and people pruned off last fall. What's happening? They're growing. They're coming out of it. They didn't stay right there where they was last fall. I mean, the, the ground began to warm up and the sun began to shine and, and it's that time of year and man, they begin to put forth those, those branches. They begin to, to, to branch out and they begin to grow. That's how it ought to be in our Christian life. If we don't remain in that same position. I understand we get in those places. But then we ought to realize it and say, you know what? I need to get my fellowship back. I need to get my, my, my abiding in Christ back. I need to begin to walk with the Lord like I used to so that, that, that love and those things begin to grow again. 
There'll be an increase in your joy, real joy in the Lord and the things of God. Look at verse 11. These things have I spoken unto you. What things? The things that came before about abiding Christ. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be, say it with me, full. Let's say it again. That your joy might be full. This glass is not full. I'm glad it's not because I'd spill it everywhere. We don't normally fill a glass full, do we? Because we spill them. What do you think that the Lord meant when he said that your joy might be full, if this is what's containing your joy? Do you think that he was saying that your joy will be about right here? How about there? How about there? I think that it even goes beyond that. I think that when he says that your joy will be full, that it's going to be running over. Because it's going to be a continuous full. But that only comes by abiding in the true vine. That is, you might say, our lifeline. You might say that's your joy line. That's going to produce that joy in your life as you begin to fall in love with the Lord. But may I say that that abiding does not come without a desire and does not come without seeking to abide. Here's our biggest problem as Christians. We think if we go to church, we think if we pray each day and maybe read a verse or two, that we're just going to automatically abide in Christ. Can I share something that would be maybe shocking to you? The Muslims do that. The lost world sometimes do, does that. I've talked to people before that are not saved. They go to church, and they've read the Bible through. What I'm saying is this. You must want to abide in Christ. You must have a desire to abide in Christ. I cannot give you that desire. I cannot give you that want. That is a personal thing between you and the Lord. And it comes from you examining your life and saying, you know what? There is a lot more in the Christian life that God has for me. And I want that. And then stepping out and doing something about it. And increasing that fellowship, increasing that walk, and increasing that abiding. Abiding is not automatic. It demands worship. It demands meditation on God's Word, thinking about it, thinking about what God's trying to tell you. Prayer, sacrifice, service. But could I say what a joyful experience it will be in your life when you abide in Christ. It will be joyful. So, 
Preacher, would you get down to the one there in verse 2 and 3? So where does the pruning and the taking away come into effect in all this? Look at this in verse 1. It says, I am the true vine, my father is the husbandman. Notice it says, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. First of all, to understand this parable, I want you to understand this. This is not dealing with a lost person. This is not dealing with a person losing their salvation. See, so how do you know? Look at verse 2. Every branch, say it with me, in me. Every branch in me. You cannot be in Christ and be lost. If you are a branch... In the vine, you're part of the vine. You've become part of that. So it's not dealing with the lost. It's not dealing with, with the, uh, 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 losing your salvation by any means. And we could go to other verses. I'm not going to go into that tonight about your salvation being secure. But it says, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it that may bring, more, bring forth more fruit. So first of all, let's, as, a, as a Christian, so first of all, you're in Christ, you're saved, you can't possibly be producing, you know, unless you're in Christ, you can't possibly produce spiritual fruit. So you're saved, you're in Christ. So you have the ability here, is what he's saying. So let's consider, first of all, taking away the branches that beareth not fruit. It says, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Every one of them. He said, I'm going to take them away. Verse 6 says, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and withereth, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Well, preacher, it sounds to me like a person lost their salvation. No, it's not, it's not biblically right or to, to lose your salvation. You cannot lose your salvation because you don't, you, don't, you don't hold your salvation. Jesus Christ is the one who holds your salvation. But the bottom line is this. If you're not going to bear fruit, listen to me. If you're not going to bear fruit for the Lord and be used of Him, then He will remove you and you'll no longer be effective for the Lord. Everybody in this room knows of those who have used to be in church who to this very day will tell you that they're born again, going to heaven, yet they have absolutely no testimony. They are not bearing any fruit. And they've been removed. There are several ways that can be removed. Paul speaks of that fear of being set on the shelf and not being used again. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 27 says, Paul's speaking here, he says, But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. And what he's saying is this. He's saying, 
Anybody can preach. But he said, I, I keep under my body. Otherwise, I keep close to God. I walk with God. I serve the Lord. I do what the Lord tries to, to, to get me to do so that after I've preached everything, God doesn't say, I can't use you anymore because you're not obeying me. You're not walking with me. You're not following me. And he sets him on the shelf. See, I don't quite understand that. There's a lot of preachers today that used to preach that no longer preach. God quit using them because they wouldn't follow him. They did their own thing. They did not abide in Christ. And they no longer are pastoring. They're no longer, and they're set on a shelf. And they're not producing fruit. I know of one or two. Do you know what they do now? Use car salesmen. No one sell insurance. What I'm saying is this. They can come to a place where God says, if you're not going to try to bear fruit, if you're not going to try to walk with me, if you're not going to try to stay in fellowship with me, if you're not going to obey me, if you're not going to follow me, and sit over there. Because he looks at the big picture and saying, you're doing more harm than good. See, I don't quite understand. Let's get down to where we live. Let me just use a dad. Let's take a dad in a home. Dad's the leader of the home. If dad is saved and he refuses to grow, refuses to, to walk in fellowship with God, refuses to obey the Lord, he may go to church. Go through the motions, but on a spiritual temperature, he's down around the frosty line. Do you know what's happening? His children are being damaged because he's not abiding in the vine. And so God says, the fruit that I have given you possibility of bearing your children. Let me say here tonight, that is our greatest fruit as a person that we can bear is within our own families to see our children know the Lord as their Savior and to encourage them in the Lord. Will they all turn out right? No. I'm not saying that they will. But we should be doing everything that we can to so that they can turn out right. And I'll be the first to say, I've got a, I've got a daughter that's away from the Lord. But I've tried to keep the vine right, or attached to the vine as a branch to produce fruit. But what I'm saying is this, if we refuse to try to follow the Lord. He may set you out of the way so that you don't look like, okay, I'm okay spiritually, and the kids follow you down that line. What he wants is to see you abide in Christ so that your life is influencing them. And so it can be removed. And you find it, you find it so often today in in 
in different situations uh, around us where Christians no longer in church. Christians talking and acting like the world. Christians living like the world. You can't even tell anymore that they're a Christian. What happened? They got cut away because they refused. And so we see that. The Apostle Paul said, I don't want to come to that place. So many Christians live without victory, without peace, without joy. And one day their rewards in heaven will be tested by fire and it will be burned up. Remember over in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it talks about we build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. He is that solid rock. And we build with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. The wood, hay, and stubble is going to burn up. The Christian that does not abide in Christ, that does not abide in the true vine, they're saved, they're going to heaven, but they're going to lose their rewards. They're going to burn up because it's wood, hay, and stubble. In 1 Corinthians 3, says, verse 13 says, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built there upon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Notice it said that he will be saved, yet so as by fire. He's still going to heaven. He didn't lose his salvation, but everything he had was burned up. Remember what he said? They will gather them and cast them into the fire, those branches. That's what he's talking about. But then there's another way. And that is there's a sin that is unto death where the Lord will take that Christian home early. In verse 16 and 17 of 1 Corinthians Chapter 3 there, right after what we just read, says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. God can take you home early. Preacher, you think you've ever seen that? Yes, I do. I've seen it as young as a teenager. I can name a couple teenagers over the years that I know of. I mean, they turned on God. I, I remember one boy that led to the Lord. I remember people talking, well, two of them. And they, they make them, after people, different ones in the church and, and different ones, their parents, different ones going to them and trying to get them straightened out. And they just, they just kept plowing their own direction, plowing their own direction, and they would not turn back to the Lord. And they went to them and they said, yes, I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. I know if I was to die that I'd go to heaven. Guess what? Both of them I know of got killed in car wrecks. One car wreck, one fellow was in it by himself, flipped over. I've told the story by him. But there's another fellow. He's out with his friends, come home from college. He's out running down what they call the Flatwoods and down around Piedmont where we're at. And I don't know why they call them Flatwoods. They're not flat. They're curvy. The roads. Lost control of it. Hit a... Culvert flipped that car up in, in the air like this. The top of it, like this here, had a, had a sunroof in it. It was open, threw him out the sunroof. His body hit a tree like that. The car crashed over there. The boys that was in the car with him walked out with cuts and bruises, and he was dead. You see, when God decides that you're not going to follow, he's going to clean up 
the branches. He's going to take care of that. You say, when does that happen? I can't tell you that. No man knows. But God does. So he's telling us that there is a setting aside. There is a, even a, a sin unto death, you might say. And that's where he's taking those branches, cutting them away and laying them aside. But there is a purging and a pruning of the branch that it might produce fruit. It's necessary in order to improve the quality and the quantity of that fruit. Verse 2 there says, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Okay. And every branch that beareth fruit. Here's the, here's the branch that's in there. It's in the vine. He's uh, trying to serve the Lord. He's trying to do what's right. He's, uh, he's faithful to God. He's faithful to the church. He's faithful to the things of God. He's praying. He's seeking God. He has a desire to produce fruit. And he says he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Well, preacher, if it's, if it's producing fruit, why get in there and cut around on it? Because he wants it to bring forth more fruit. More fruit. He says, now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. If you go over into Israel, sometimes the, uh, the grapevines that they have, they will be growing and, and not just up on the arbors and stuff like that, but they will be growing across the rocks and they will take the, uh, the leaves and the branches and they'll prop them up on rocks. They'll come along and they will wash those. And the reason they wash them is because there will be parasites and stuff that will, and bugs that will, will, will get underneath them. And, and so they go through and they wash them. Notice he said you're cleansed through the word. You're clean through the word. So you have a picture here of how he cleans up our lives. Every person in this room is in need of some cleaning. Every one of us. I don't care who you are. We're in need of some cleaning. And God's continuing. And we will be in need of cleaning until the Lord takes us home. There's always going to be something that the Lord is trying to get us a little bit farther. And so he's pruning, he's clipping, he's cleaning. He will go in and he will take away the dead wood and stuff. Sometimes he, he has to cut away the, the dead wood in your life that is hindering you, keeping you held back. And he'll clip away that dead wood. It, it, it don't really hurt a whole lot, but he shows you what it is. It might be things in your life that is just holding you back and keeping you from really getting involved in serving God. And he'll go in and he'll cut that away. See, what is it? I don't know. You know and God knows what's keeping you from really getting in there. He'll come along then and sometimes he has to trim uh, the living tissue, you might say. He cuts down a, uh, the, into, that, into that branch that, and, and hits the, in, into that, you might call the living tissue, where it really hurts. That's just like you can take a, a callus on your hand and you can cut that callus off and that's okay. But you get very deep. And it is owie. And sometimes in the pruning, God says, i got to go deep enough because there's a problem there and I want to get rid of it so that you can produce more. You can produce more. There's things that robs us of producing fruit. I don't know if you do this. We, several years ago, we started doing it when we would put out tomato plants, we, we did what we called suckering them. What that is, there will be in a fork on, on a tomato plant, you'll have one, a little branch that will come up right in the middle of that fork. 
A lot of people just let them grow. They get real bushy. And, and a lot of people look at, at some of these vine, uh, tomato vines and stuff like that, and they're not real bushy, and they think, man, that's a, that's a weak vine. But, man, they got big old nice tomatoes on them. And so we go in and we take that little branch, and it might get up that big sometimes before you see that it's in there. You take, I try to get it when it's real little. It's because it, that way it don't try to peel the rest of the, the vine back in here and everything, so I try to snap it off. Sometimes it gets real big, and I snap it, and it peels a little bit back in there. But if you let that grow, and this vine comes out here, or this branch out here, and it puts on tomatoes, this one's coming up in here, it's not going to put on tomatoes. What it's going to do, it's going to draw the nutrients and stuff that should be going to those tomatoes, making bigger tomatoes and more tomatoes. And so you snap it off. Sometimes in your life, there's things that may not really be that bad. And when I say not really that bad, not bad at all, other than it's keeping you from producing more fruit. Keeping you from really getting in there. Keeping you from really serving God. Keeping you from taking that next step, committing another step. And sometimes those steps hurt, don't they? That's the pruning. So that we might produce more fruit and better fruit for the honor and glory of God. Sometimes that pruning is cutting away the good. Mm. See, sometimes the Lord will cut away some things that actually seems good in your life. Do you know why? He'll cut away the good. He'll cut away the better. That you might produce the best to get you where you need to be. Pruning hurts, but it also helps. Sometimes he uses the word to convict and cleanse us. Sometimes he has to chasten us or Spank us if you want to use the words. But the more we abide in Christ, the true vine, the more fruit we'll bear and the more glory he'll receive. Fruit of winning the lost souls. Being able to tell somebody about Jesus Christ and see them get saved. Being instrumental in getting somebody to somebody else and let them uh, uh, get saved. I'm, I'm going I'm to tell them, Caden got saved this afternoon. Joanne, Joanne, been praying for him, working with him. You know what? That's fruit. Not just to my account for leading the Lord, but to her account. And to others who are praying. That's fruit to their account. Winning souls is bearing fruit. Give not gospel tracts and down the line, you never know what's going to happen. It's going to produce fruit. Just because you're not the one that leads the Lord doesn't mean that you didn't produce fruit in that person's life and seeing them getting saved. It takes all of us. One, one sows a seed, one, one actually tills up the ground, one sows a seed, another waters, another goes and gathers the fruit, but they all had to work together and they all are part of that fruit. Fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, meekness, kindness, goes on, the fruit that will be produced in your life as a Christian so that others can see Christ in your life. Fruit of good works. I mean, just, just trying to serve God and just trying to do what's right and trying to be, and it's just something about it. You want, to, you want to serve God? Good works. Just trying to help others and be a blessing. Fruit that brings glory to God. 
People see things in your life and it, and it points them to Jesus Christ through the praise and worship of the Lord. As we begin to worship the Lord and praise Him and lift Him up and give Him thanks for what He's done and what He's doing, He gets the honor and glory and it's fruit. If we abide in the vine, there'll be life. There'll be life. Glorious life. There'll be light that shines for others to see Jesus Christ. I can't make a person abide. I can only work on myself to abide. But I can encourage you to seek the Lord, to abide in Christ, to follow Him, to obey Him, to have that fellowship, to, to desire that. I'm telling you what, if we as Christians in this church here would do that, this building could not hold the fruit. The bus ministry could not carry the fruit. You say, well, we're seeing things happen. Yeah, but God's got to keep pruning on us a little bit. Get us to commit a little bit more. Get us to step out a little farther. Get us to obey a little more that we might bear more fruit. Tonight, he may be speaking to your heart about something. He may have said, I want to cut away a little dead wood tonight. You know what it is in your life. Let him. Let him. There may be some pruning that he wants to do and that's going to hurt just a little bit. He's saying, I want you to step out and I want you to do this. Oh. Let him. Because the fruit will come. What if I don't let him? You keep backing up and backing up, and before long, you'll get to a place where he says, if you're not going to bear fruit, I'm going to put you on the shelf. God has a great design for your life and my life. Let him. Let's bow. Father, we thank you for loving us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the true vine, the genuine vine, and help us to understand through this name of the true vine that it's dealing with our relationship and our abiding in you and to walk with you as the branches that we might produce fruit for your honor, for your glory. Yes, there's that cutting away. There's that getting rid of sin. There's that confessing of sin. There's the conviction of God. There's things that, but Lord, help us to desire that, to seek that in our lives. Have your will and way, Lord. I pray as Calvary Baptist, Lord, that we would allow you to prune us, Lord, and allow you to bring us closer, Lord, to you and, and even see more fruit. We thank you for the fruit that we've been seeing, Lord. Thank you so much. But help us to keep on going. Help us not to be satisfied with the amount of fruit that we see. But help us, Lord, to desire much fruit for your honor and glory. Have your will and way, Lord, in this invitation, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me with your heads bowed, your eyes closed?